his book entitled The Faith, Chuck Colson talks about a movement of Islamic evangelism. Now, Muslims don't tend to be evangelistic, but this was a movement that came out of the Wahhabi sect in Saudi Arabia. And this is what they were training people to do. They were training Muslims to f confront Christians by sharing the similarities between Islam and Christianity and then attacking Christianity because we believe in what is called the Trinity, which you'll hear more about this morning. And they attack Christianity on the basis that we are guilty of, of idolatry because we are worshiping three gods. This is a misunderstanding of the Trinity, as you'll see this morning. And its impact, they haven't been real effective, but for people who don't understand what the Trinity is, for people who don't understand the significance of the Trinity, why it matters that we believe in the Trinity, some people have been sucked into that false teaching, that false argument. Now, we never find the word Trinity in the Bible. It is a word that has been used to describe the nature of God. This morning we're in our second week of our summer series called I Believe. And we're looking together at the Apostles' Creed this summer. And our goal is not just to know more about who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but our goal this summer is to know this God, is to meet this God, is to go deeper with the true God, that our lives and our hearts and our minds might be open as we never have before, and that we will grow deeply and profoundly in our love for God and our service to Him. And so this morning, what we want to do is we want to, as we lay our second week that is a foundation of the Apostles' Creed, we want to talk about the Creed. Uh, we want to talk about the Trinity. Now, why are we doing that? Because the Apostles' Creed is what is called Trinitarian. Now, don't let me lose you because it's very easy to understand. You'll understand it in just a moment. But it's based on the belief that we worship one God who is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each person is fully God. That is the Trinity. And I'm going to lay that out for you in just a moment. But we see this principle of the Trinity all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So this morning, I want to spend a few moments just quickly describing, biblically, what the Trinity is. But then, I want to spend some time talking about why it matters. And I want you to see that it informs our lives. It teaches us, not just about the nature of God, but it teaches us about our own nature, how we are to connect with one another, how we are to connect with God. And it protects us against false teaching. And so as we begin this morning, I want you to consider here as we talk about the, three, uh, about the Trinity, I'm going to share with you three corners of a triangle. And all three are biblical, and all three points that I'm going to give to you are needed together to understand the Trinity. 
if you believe just one of the three, you don't believe in the Trinity. If you believe in just two of the three, you don't believe in the Trinity. It takes all three. So I'm going to say one, and you're going to think, oh, that doesn't sound right. But you have to take all three points together to understand what the Trinity is. So here's the first point. God is three persons. God has revealed himself as three persons. Now we see this throughout the Bible. We see it throughout the Bible. We see it in creation. In chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our image. And so we see the plural there. And, and we see this reflected throughout the scriptures. God is three persons. When Jesus gave us the great commandment, he said this, Therefore, in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore, and go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the what? The Father, and the name of the what? Son, and in the name of what? The Holy Spirit. So God has, God is three persons. Now, I'll be very careful here. One essence, united in purpose, united in relationship, and united in love. Three persons of the same essence, as we'll see here in just a moment. But their activities are different. The activities of the Father are different than the activities of the Son, which are different than the activities of the Holy Spirit. Their activities are different. Their works are different. And we'll see that by the end of the sermon here this morning, how they are different. But at the same time, they are united, fully united, fully unified in their love, in their essence, in their purpose. There is perfect harmony in the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. They are different in their activities. They are different, and we'll see that here in just a moment. Here's a second thing that we need to understand, and that is what the Bible teaches is that each person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each person of the Trinity is fully God. The Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. The Spirit is fully God. We see this in the Father throughout the scriptures. We see it's the Father, Father God, who directed creation. Father God who directed salvation, carried out by the Son and by the Holy Spirit. And so we see that the Father is fully God. We also see that the Son is fully God. Here is just one example. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. He's talking about Jesus. As John writes these words, he's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. He was there. He was not created. He was there at the very beginning. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see here some of the mystery of the Holy Trinity. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each is fully God. We see many instances in which the Spirit is referred to as deity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So there are, God is three persons, 
Each person is fully God. And here is where a lot of people get tripped up because it's hard for our limited minds to, to understand this. But there is one God. The Bible is very clear. There is one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God. We read here in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So wait a minute, you just told me that God is three persons. He is three persons, he is one God. And this is where a lot of us, a lot of people get tripped up, and it gets confusing. So let me explain. There, I, I'm going to, before I, I want to preface this, I'm going to share something with you, a little illustration. There is no good way to describe the Trinity except to explain what I just explained. There is one God. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. Now, it's hard for us to, to grasp onto that because our minds are so limited and God is spirit. And so it's hard for us to grab onto this. But let me just give you one example, one way to explain it. But this is not a perfect way to explain it. We're all on the same page here, right? Because you're going to be sitting here for the rest of the sermon thinking, well, I don't know about that because if you change this. I have here, and you may not be able to see it from the balcony, but I have here a coin. Now, this coin has a heads. This coin has a tails. You know, at football games, they flip the coin to see who gets to choose whether to receive kickoff and who gets to choose which side they're going to they're gonna, uh, receive on. So I've got a heads here, I've got a tails here, and I also have an edge. No matter how thin I cut this coin, it'll always have a head, a tail, and it'll always have an edge. But it's one coin. You don't look at this coin and say, oh, that's three coins. I wish it were. But I look at it and I say, it's one coin. But it has a head, it has a tail, and it has an edge. But it's one coin. And then in the same way, God is one God who has revealed himself as three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is all that the Trinity is. But what I want to suggest to you, well, I want you to know that this really matters. This really matters. I remember for many years, I could, I could explain the Trinity in the way I just did, but I didn't know the significance of it. I didn't know why it was so important. And so that's what I want to explain in the rest of the time that we have this morning. I want you to know this morning, this matters. It informs so many areas of our lives. It protects us in terms of what is truth and what is not truth. It keeps us from going down the wrong path of a false religion. This matters, friends, and the Apostles' Creed is based on the understanding of the Trinity. It is Trinitarian. So as we begin next week looking at line by line of the Apostles' Creed, we are going to start with, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. But as we hear that, we understand the Father is one person of the Trinity. 
And so let me explain why this really matters. And I hope that it will, it will open your heart in some ways and you can begin to see life a little bit differently. See your relationship with God differently. See your relationship with people differently. See your marriage and how your home is organized differently because it's based it's based on the Trinity. Here we go. Why does it matter? Number one, it matters because it protects us from embracing and following false religions. If you ever are being wooed to a religion that does not believe in the Trinity, I want you to know right now that is a false religion because the Trinity is biblical. You can't get away from it. From Genesis to Revelation, you cannot get away from it. And the Bible warns us, and you see it throughout the New Testament, particularly in what is called the letters, the epistles. What you see is warning after warning after warning that there will be false teaching. There will be false prophets. There will be people who will seek to lead us astray. And if you hear something of a religion that does not believe in the Trinity, it is not of God. It is a false religion. Now here we see this. Here's just one warning that we see from 1 John 4, 1, uh, um, 1 to 3. And friends, if you read particularly the letters of John and Peter, 2 Peter, you'll see the, and Jude these warnings about false teaching. Paul's writings warn us about false teaching. It matters that we believe the right thing. Why does it matter? Hear this. What I believe will inform how I live. Everything you do ultimately goes back to something you believe. Why did Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit? Because they did not trust that God was enough. They didn't trust, they didn't believe that God loved them and that God was all they needed. And so they ate the forbidden fruit. Everything that you do, every choice you make, comes ultimately out of what you believe. And so it matters. It matters. Listen to what we read here in 1 John 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is the first century. Many false prophets, false teachers have gone out into the world and it hasn't changed today. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. See, this was a problem in the early church in something called Gnosticism, where people believed that Jesus must not have been physical, uh, had, must not have had a real body. He must have just been a spirit. Because we can't believe that a God would die such a death on a cross. And so there was teaching like that, and, and John says, no, if, if you hear that teaching, reject it. In the same way, if you hear teaching that opposes or turns its back on the Trinity, the belief in the Trinity, then you know that it is not true, and you need to reject it. There are many different religions today that reject the Trinity. There is the Mormons reject the Trinity. Jehovah's Witnesses uh, reject the Trinity. Church of Scientology, Christian Science, Islam. 
These are just some of the different religions today that reject the Trinity. This issue of the Trinity was settled very early in the life of the church. Last week I mentioned to you about Arianism. And Arius was a man who did not believe that Jesus was God. And there's a movement called Arianism that was challenging what the church had taught from the very beginning. And the church gathered together and they wrote the Nicene Creed. And the, the Nicene Creed is not very long. And if you have not read that creed, read it. The, another one is the Athanasian Creed. These are two statements of what we believe as Reformed Christians. Now remember, if you were here last week, I emphasized that the Bible is our ultimate source of truth. No creed, no confession, no catechism. They just summarize, these summarize what we believe and clarify what we believe. But in the Nicene Creed, there were literally Arianism, uh, people who followed Arius, and people who believed in the Trinity were at war with each other. And they would actually taunt each other, and there was a song that they sang in the, um, in the Trinitarian camp that you know, many of you, if you grew up in the church, you know already. The Gloria Patri. That was the song of the Trinity. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This is where it came from. It was a song celebrating the nature of God. Three gods, one person. One God. I'm sorry, three persons, one God. Each person fully God. That's what they were celebrating. And so we have dealt with this as a Christian church generations ago. There's nothing new, friends. There's nothing new. Because it's biblical and it's clear. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's based on the Trinity. It's the Father who provides our daily bread. It's because of the Son that we're able to experience forgiveness of sin. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. Right? That's the work of the Son. It's in the name of the Son that my sins are forgiven. It's the work of the Father to plan salvation. It was the work of the Son to carry it out. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth in my life and to draw me to Jesus in faith in Jesus and draw me into relationship with the triune God. Friends, that is what is true. That is what is true. It is the Holy Spirit. When I say the Lord's Prayer, as we will later in the service, it is the, the Holy Spirit that helps me to resist evil, to stand against temptation, to stand boldly against those things that would drive me away from God. Forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is the work of the Holy Spirit carried out at the direction of our Father God. Friends, everything revolves around this truth of the Trinity because it's rooted in the nature of who God is. The second reason it matters is because it instructs or informs our worship. It instructs or informs our worship. We, we read this in Philippians 2, 9 to 11. 
if Jesus were just a created being like you and me, or like an angel. Angels are just created beings. If, if, we, if Jesus was a created being like us, was not fully God, then how could we ever read these words from Scripture that say this, Therefore, speaking of Jesus, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, we would not worship a created being. We worship a God who came to us in Jesus Christ. We worship Jesus. You notice as we sing songs, you might have noticed it this morning, as we sing songs together, sometimes we sing to the triune God, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. We're singing to the triune God. Sometimes we sing songs to Jesus. Now, is that appropriate? Yes, because he's fully God. Sometimes we sing songs to God the Father. He's a good, good father. That's who he is, right? That's who he is. He's a good, good father. Sometimes we sing songs to the Spirit. And we ask the Spirit to fall afresh on us. So there are different songs, and all of that is informed by our understanding of the Holy Trinity. God is three persons. Each is fully God. There is one God. Now, our minds may not be able to grab onto it, but it's true. When we pray, when we pray, the whole, our whole ability to pray Kaylin, what a beautiful prayer as we began this morning. A Trinitarian prayer. What a powerful prayer. I come to God by the work of the Son in the Holy Spirit who takes my prayers and interprets them to God for me and prays and brings the needs that I don't even recognize in my life and brings those to God for me. I come to the Father through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. Each different activity, different role, but each absolutely necessary for us to experience salvation, for us to have a relationship with God. And so in my worship, my worship, it's all about who God is. And I understand the value, the importance of the Trinity and I worship the one God who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is the third point, and that is belief in, in the Trinity informs or underlies my relationship with God. This is, I, and I, I don't have time to really build on all of this as I would like, but if you read John 14... 15, 16, and 17, you get a real powerful sense of this reality. Listen to what we read, and um, listen to what we read. Jesus says in John 14, on that day, now what is that day? That day is the day of Pentecost, and today is the day that the church around the world celebrates Pentecost. What is Pentecost? It's the day that God gave His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not just to one or two people, but to the entire church, to everyone who believes. 
Now, why is it that the Holy Spirit could come, a holy God could come into the life of a sinful person? Because of the work that God the Son did on the cross to make me holy. So now God by the Spirit can be in my life. Do you understand how profound that is? That is incredible. That is incredible. On that day, now listen to what Jesus said. On that day when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will realize, Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking, that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. You see, I am in Jesus. Jesus was in the Father. The Father was in him. And now he is in me. So I am now, I can now have a relationship with the living God. I am in Christ. Being in Christ means that I'm in relationship with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I can know God, not just know about him, I can know God. I am caught up in the unity of the Godhead. I am caught up in the power of the Godhead. I am caught up in the perfect love of the Godhead. That is significant. That is powerful. That is amazing. And the deeper I go in Christ... The more I surrender myself, the deeper I go, and, I, and I, as, I build that, as God builds that relationship that I have with him and I allow him to do it, the more that I know who he is and the more that I get to experience who God really is. Friends, if we just understood the, vow, the, the importance of this, Jesus is in me through the Holy Spirit. He's in the Father. And now I get to be part of that relationship. And so do you. So do you. That should amaze us. When we go to heaven, I think the thing that we're going to realize is, how come I didn't get it? I missed out on so much. There was so much more that you had for me, but I just didn't get it. It's powerful. And then, number four, belief in the Trinity. Now, this is I have been learning and growing in this area as I've I've reflected on it and studied it over uh, over the last few years. Belief in the Trinity informs our relationships with each other. It informs my relationship with my wife and my children. It informs my relationship with all of you. See, the Father plans and the Son carries out the plans. The Holy Spirit carries out the plans there's, there's a bit of a, um, of a hierarchy, if you, if you will, equal, they're totally equal. But the Father plans, it gives direction to the Son and to the Spirit, and the, and the Spirit, the Son to the Spirit. Friends, this is how God has organized the world. And when you look to the Trinity, listen to this, listen to this in, um, in John 14, uh, John 17, listen to this. My prayer is not for them alone, speaking of the, the disciples on that day. Now he's going to pray for you and me. Listen to what he says. My prayer is also for those who will believe in me through their message, you and me, that all of them, all of us, may be one Father, like what? Like the Trinity, listen. Just as you are in me and I am in you. The unity that God wants for your home. 
the unity that God wants for the church, the unity that God wants for his children, is that we would be one as the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one. That's the view. That's the vision. That is what God wants for us. Unity. Can you imagine that kind of unity? Jesus in the love of the Father. Us in Jesus in the love of the Father. And the unity that God longs for is modeled after the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. He says, may they also be in us. Do you see that? In us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May they also be in us. May you also be in Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit so that the world may believe, oh God, that you have sent me. Oh Father, that you have sent me. Friends, I'm going to tell you, and I don't have time to unpack all of this. This should instruct how we live together. This is why Jesus and the New Testament talks so much about the unity that we should have as God's children. Because our unity is a reflection of the Godhead himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect in love, perfect in purpose, perfect in relationship. That is what we are to seek because that is what we are reflecting to the world. That is why we don't live with critical spirits toward one another. That is why we seek reconciliation together. That is why we look to the truth together. That is why we extend grace to one another when we make mistakes. Because, friends, we are reflecting to the world the power and the truth of the Trinity. In Ephesians chapter 5, what we see in chapter 5 is a passage that many people struggle with in our world today because it says that husbands are head of the household as Christ is head of the church. And it says, wives, obey your husbands or submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Now in today's world, oh, oh we don't, oh, no, cut that out of my Bible. But friends, we are modeling in the home the Trinity. Each one of us has equal value. We have different activities and roles. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have equal value. Each is fully God. But they have different activities and different things that they are called to do. The home reflects the Trinity. The church. The church reflects the Trinity. Each of us has equal value. Now, if you were to ask somebody who doesn't know God, doesn't know the church, uh, doesn't know the Bible, they would say to you, oh, the pastor's the most important person in the church. Is that what the Bible teaches? No. In fact, it says that those who, whose gifts are behind the scenes have greater value in the church than those who are up front. I'm not a more, more important than you. My gifts may be more up front, but my, I'm not more important than you. We have equal value in the body of Christ. Different gifts called to do different activities as a reflection of the, of the Godhead himself, the Trinity. Do you see the beauty of that? And finally, I'll close with this. 
Why the Trinity matters. Belief in the Trinity helps us to better know the nature of God. Man, I love this. And I'll just close with this very quickly. Number one, God the Father is the creator, as you'll see next week. God Almighty, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. He is God above. We read on and we see that the Son is the redeemer. He redeems, he buys us by the price of his blood, which we'll celebrate in just a moment. He is the God beside. He is, the Bible says, my brother. He is our brother. He is the God beside us who takes our hand, and because of his holiness, because of his perfection, he leads us into the presence of the triune God. And then there's God the Holy Spirit. He is the sustainer. He is God within us. Friends, over the next weeks, what we're going to see is that the Apostles' Creed is based on the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And each week, we're going to be learning about the Father, and then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're going to linger a little bit in the Holy Spirit because there's a lot of confusion often in churches about the Holy Spirit. But I would like to invite you to say the Apostles' Creed with me. You'll see it on the screen. As we come together to the table of the Lord, we are celebrating what God the Father who established the plan of salvation, who established the plan of creation, we're going to celebrate the plan of salvation. We're going to celebrate the Son who died for us on the cross so that we can have self, experience salvation. We're going to celebrate the work of the Spirit who brings us into the presence of God by drawing us to him creating within in us a longing for him. Would you say these words with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And if you believe these words, would you say amen? Let's pray together. Our Father, how grateful we are for the power of these words that teach us, that challenge us, that inform us, that lead us, that guide us. And Father, as we come today in the name of Jesus, by the drawing of the Holy Spirit, we receive these elements not just as bread, not just as juice, but for what they are, for what they represent, that God in some powerful way in this moment you will minister to your people. 
in ways that would not happen if we did not gather around the table of the Lord. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.